From Wyoming Public Media, this is Human Nature. Real stories where humans and our habitat meet. I'm Megan Fury. This time, a man breaks a very unusual record. But, you know, as we're actually pushing the peanut, there's really not much experience needed or practice needed. You know, you just start pushing. Pike's Peak is iconic. It's in the Colorado Rocky Mountains and stands at a towering 14,115 feet. The Ute Indians once called the area home, and the mountain has had many names. Sun Mountain, the Long Mountain, and even El Capitan by Spanish explorers. It's now known as America's Mountain, and for good reason. It's one of the most accessible 14ers in the country. Every year, hundreds of thousands of people summit Pike's Peak to take in the spectacular views from the top. They go by car, bus, train, bike, and on foot. But only three men in history can claim they tackled the mountain in a slightly different way. By pushing a peanut up it. One of those men is Bob Salem. I don't have a conventional life. That's probably a good way to put that, yeah. (laughs) Bob completed his feat last year. It was part of the 150th anniversary of Manitou Springs, a city just outside the entrance to Pikes Peak. I got a hold of Bob in 2022, and really, there was only one place to start. Well, I guess we'll start with the question I am sure you get asked the most. Uh, Why? (laughs) Most of it is just because Michael Mayo asked. He's like, boy, it would be really nice if we could find somebody that would push peanut up Pike's Peak for the anniversary this year. And I just said, I'll do it. And it it sort of snowballed from there. Michael Mayo is the president of the Manitou Springs Heritage Center and Museum. Before I spoke with Bob, I met with Mike in person, and he happily gave me a tour. There's an entire exhibit at the museum devoted to the history of pushing a peanut up Pike's Peak. When I asked Mike, he had a slightly different account of how this all came together. You know, Bob called me in... February, we had this online um, exhibit known as the Peanut Pusher. It's on our website. So he said he had just watched the video. And, and I said, well, okay, you know, how can I help you? And he says, I'm interested in doing this. You know, I want to do it. I said, do what? And he said, push, push the peanut up the summit of Pikes Peak. And I asked him if he was nuts. And he responded, yes. And so <laughs> we knew right from the outset that Bob was our guy. <laughs> However it happened, Bob's not the first guy to do it. You know, when you go through this history, it's kind of crazy. I mean, this guy here, (laughs) he went through 184 peanuts. That was uh, Bill Williams. Bill Williams was from Texas. The story goes that he made a bet with his father-in-law about the upcoming presidential election. If Bill won, 
his father-in-law would have to stand on his head on top of the Rio Hondo Bridge for an hour. If Bill lost, he would push a peanut 11 miles to the next town with his nose. Herbert Hoover won the 1928 presidential election, meaning Bill lost. So, true to his word, Bill got down on his hands and knees and set off. It took him nine days to reach Harlingen, Texas. He was sunburnt, exhausted, but somehow emboldened. Local news outlets picked up the story, and the public loved it. So, Bill raised the stakes. He decided to push a peanut up the famed Pikes Peak Highway. His friends bet him $500 to do it in 22 days. That's just shy of $9,000 in today's money. Bill accepted, but this time he made some preparations. Uh, But, I mean, I don't know, 21 pairs of gloves, 184 peanuts, three pairs of shoes. I mean, you know, it just seems outrageous. Bill also fashioned some leather knee pads and a homemade face mask. It had a long, thin piece of metal attached, so he wouldn't have to put his face in the dirt and could flick the peanut ahead of him. Then, on May 20th, 1929, he started his ascent. Bill was as prepared as he could be, but unforeseen challenges are part of the journey. The biggest threat to these peanut pushers was squirrels threatening to (laughs) take their peanuts away. So the squirrels would come up, scamper up to them, and try to abscond with their peanuts. (laughs) Despite the squirrels, Bill finished on June 9th, and became an overnight media sensation. The public couldn't get enough. Over the years, he even inspired several other unusual journeys up the mountain, including pushing a piano and a high school team who dribbled basketballs to the summit. But it wasn't until 1963 that Ulysses Baxter decided to tackle the challenge and beat Bill's record. Here's Mike Mayo again. He was a rockabilly star, and uh, he was performing in Colorado Springs at the time he performed the push. After each day of pushing this peanut on Pikes Peak, he would come down and perform at one of the local nightclubs, and then the following day, he would go back up to the location where he stopped and resume his push. Ulysses did it in nine days, with a wooden salad spoon strapped to his nose. He said in interviews it was his manager's idea, a way to get some attention. Ulysses thought it might help his music career. And for a time, it seemed to work. He was front-page news around the world. He even appeared on the Jack Parr program and the game show I've Got a Secret. But the fame came as quickly as it went. Ulysses never became the superstar he hoped to be, and eventually he retired from music. He went on to open a string of hair salons and invest in real estate. But for what it's worth, 
His story and his peanut are enshrined at the Manitou Springs Heritage Center for all to see. There is another peanut pusher, one that came before Bob and after Ulysses, a college student named Tom Miller, who says he did it in four days in 1976. But his claims are very controversial. Not much is known about him. So he appears at the top of Pikes Peak on the summit and he announces to the world, I just pushed a peanut up Pikes Peak. He pulls a peanut out of his pocket. Here it is. And the th thing is, nobody had passed him on the trail. You got hikers going up and down this trail. Nobody had witnessed him actually pushing this peanut. And all of a sudden, he appears on the summit. Every hair is in place. His push was actually questioned. It wasn't verified or anything. He got some media attention. But again, you know, he just can't, he, he can't, he can't, couldn't document it in any shape or form. And so we don't really count that. An article in the Colorado Springs Gazette says he happily signed autographs at the summit. That same article also says, quote, Despite the fact that peanuts are in this year, Miller says Jimmy Carter's presidential bid had nothing to do with his effort. All the peanuts Miller pushed were salted. End quote. We may never know the truth about Tom Miller. However, all the other pushes have been well-documented, including Bob Salem's. But first, let's back up. After Bob made his decision, he had about 10 months before the actual peanut push. Everybody thought it was pretty weird, you know? It's not anything you kind of expect to hear from anybody. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Just wasn't any special fanfare when I agreed to it or anything. We just I just started hiking and, and making sure I was getting some, you know, altitude under me. But, you know, as we're actually pushing the peanut, there's really not much experience needed or practice needed. You know, you just start pushing. One thing Bob did need to figure out was what to use to actually push the peanut. It was a CPAP mask, and uh, I removed the hose off of it and just put a spoon in the hole in the front of the mask. Taped it on there really good and cut the end of the spoon off so I had a flat spot, and, and that was that. Then, suddenly, it was time. Well, the first day, the city had a whole bunch of people out there, and there was like a drum circle, and, you know, the news was there, and it was kind of a little bit of fanfare. And uh, we didn't start till 9 a.m., which really was a mistake on my part. It was also um, a record-breaking heat day. It was 99 degrees. So I lasted about a mile before I was dehydrated and fell out. And after the first mile, when I was all dehydrated, I was like, oh, I bit too much off. I don't, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. But my wife was like, you're just hot, you're dehydrated, you know, we'll take a break, you'll come back tomorrow and, and do some more, don't worry about it. She's a good lady. She, she accepts my strangeness and my odd ways. <laughs> For the first couple of days, Bob and his wife would go as far as they could, 
Then they would hike back down and spend the night at home, starting where they left off the following day. And then uh, the next time when I went up, we went up at night, so I wasn't in the sun, which made a big, big, huge difference. By the Wednesday, like the third or fourth day, I was actually just staying up there and uh, pushing the peanut. I was on my own. It wasn't bad. The moon was out that week. It wasn't dark. So I'd, I'd move my backpack and then I'd push the peanut. And I'd go back and move the backpack and then I'd push the peanut. So I kind of did the hill twice that week. Bob took the bar trail to the summit. It's challenging and also the most popular way to summit Pike's Peak. Well, the bottom part was kind of difficult because it was a lot of steps. And uh, when the rain comes down the, the path, it has a tendency to dig out a little tiny hole underneath the step right in the middle. And the peanut always wanted to fall in that hole, which was really difficult because I'd have to, you know, flick it back and then try and flick it up over the steps. I actually got really good with my flicking, so... <laughs> But then uh, the, the middle part of the trail is just dirt, you know, just a flat dirt trail. There wasn't a lot of steps or rocks. But then once you got up past the tree line, it got really rocky. So there were some pretty big boulders, and I, that's where I lost most of my peanuts. Bob was down on all fours, which he claims made it easier. Your weight is dispersed. So instead of like when you're stepping up on those big rocks, instead of picking up, you know, the whole hundred and some pounds of yourself, you're only putting up the 60 or so at a time. It makes a huge difference going up the mountain. I uh, I had knee pads on. Uh, the first day, I actually, I got a couple of rocks between the pads and my knees, so I cut them up a little bit. But then I, uh, I took a pair of uh, long socks, cut the bottoms off, put those over my knees, and... Uh, I used uh, feminine hygiene pads in between the, the sock and my knee, and then I put the knee pad over it, and that was actually cushion enough. Bob didn't wear headphones on the trail or really try to distract himself. He only had one thing on his mind. I don't know if I was really thinking about too much at all. I was just trying to get it done. It, it was probably the most difficult thing I ever did. There was a lot of points there. I was like, okay, I, I really don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> Most of the time, it really wasn't a choice to, like, quit because I would have had just as much, you know, work getting down as I would have kept going. It was hard work, and Bob was alone for the majority of it, but not totally. There was a chipmunk that was actually very, very interested in what, what we were doing. So every time we sat down, it was there. <laughs> I was up on top of the mountain. I was almost done. And uh, it was like 4 a.m. or something like that. And I'm just sitting on my butt on a rock trying to rest. All of a sudden, there was this cloud that came up the side of the mountain and flowed over me, and it was these moths. They were really big, but there was hundreds of thousands of them. 
they flew right over me and they were just like bap, bap, into my head and in my shoulders and stuff. And that lasted for about 10 minutes. They flew in a big river over me. That was kind of interesting. Bob got used to the solitude, but towards the end of his journey, he started running into a lot of hikers, and they all had the same question. Why? Just why? There was actually about an hour there where I I wasn't able to actually move forward at all because there was just so many people walking by every, like, three seconds. Go, can I get a picture? Please, can I get a picture? I must have taken at least 50 pictures with people. And then, just like that, Bob only had a mile left to go. But he was struggling. When I got to the top, the last mile or so, uh, I had run out of water. That was a really hard last mile there because I, I, I dehydrated really quickly. I was sick. I'm sure if there was other people on the trail that morning, they thought maybe, you know, Bigfoot was out there because the noises I was making was like, <laughs> You, you kind of imagine some of the more historical walks and, and things people did. You know, mine wasn't, I, I don't know, of import. But... Man, getting to the top was one heck of an accomplishment. It was it was a pretty special moment. I was tired, I was dehydrated, I was sick to my stomach. And then on top of it, when I got to the top there, there was still no water I had to wait. There was no one at the summit when Bob finished. He was alone for about an hour. Bob finished in six days, 20 hours, the official fastest time for pushing a peanut up Pike's Peak. Got up to the top as the sun was rising over the horizon. We met each other at the top of the mountain, me and the sun. Eventually, the press arrived, along with the mayors of Colorado Springs and Manitou, He finally got some water and some snacks. Then Bob did a lot of interviews and posed for photos. He even recreated his final climb to the top for the TV cameras. Bob received some plaques and even a ring box for his final peanut. It was surreal. I've had so many interviews. Everybody knows who I am at this moment. I mean, even here in Colorado Springs, I walk around and people are like, why do I know? I, I think I know you. Why do I know? Do we know each other? Like, ah, I pushed a peanut up. Oh, you pushed a peanut up Pike's Peak? That's what it is. <laughs> I mean, it was definitely worth it. If I had to reconsider and, you know, and the whole thing over again, I, I would definitely do it. Aside from being recognized on occasion, life has pretty much gone back to normal. Bob thinks about it often, though. He's proud of what he did. I asked him if he would ever do it again, and he says he doesn't know. 
he holds the record for now. Bob figures someone will break it eventually, maybe even himself. Do you even like peanuts? Oh, I love peanuts. Yeah, I was eating them like crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Our storytellers today were Mike Mayo and Bob Salem. I want to give a special thanks to the Manitou Springs Heritage Center and Museum for showing me around. And a big shout out to all those thieving squirrels. I hope you enjoyed your peanut feast. For photos and videos from this episode, follow us on social media. We're at Human Nature Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. On Twitter, we're at Human Nature Pod. And if you have a story to share, let us know. Our DMs are always open, and we love hearing from you. I'm Megan Feary. This episode was produced by me, with help from Stephen Carroll, Melody Edwards, and Charles Fournier. Our theme song is by Caught a Ghost. Human Nature is a production of Wyoming Public Media. It's Human Nature.